The following episode of Geeks and Beats contains language or subject matter that may be unsuitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Ahoy, ahoy. I am here. How does it sound at your end? It sounds like you're coming to me from a Denny's. It is a very nice uh, business lounge at uh, Taiwan, Taiyuan International Airport in Taipei. With all the clinking and clanking in the background, it sounds like you're having breakfast. I'm near the noodle bar. <laughs> <laughs> From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, now with 1.2 billion subscribers on iTunes and GeoCities, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. The final chapter for the Cranberries. The report is back on the death of its lead singer. We'll play you the cover of an iconic Dolores O'Riordan song that turned the heavy metal world on its head. Plus, the origin of the cover song. We'll turn back the clock as far as 1909 and bring you the backstory to Aretha Franklin's biggest hit, too. And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. What the hell are you doing halfway around the world? Okay, I was at the Skookum Music Festival in Vancouver, so that was my first stop. So I was in Vancouver for a couple of days, and then I'm on my way to Singapore for the Music Matters Conference, which is a big gathering of uh, you know music types from China, Japan, Korea, New Zealand, Australia, India, Thailand, Philippines, and so on. Uh, although I haven't decided whether or not I'm going to go because uh, because I was I was caught in Vancouver. Um, the conference has already started, and by the time I land, like I, I'm as I'm talking to you, it is 5:30 in the morning on uh, Monday. You're in the future, man. I am in the future, and the conference starts in four hours in Singapore. So by the time I get there and get settled and all the rest of it, I will have missed most of day one, and all the stuff I want to see is on day one. And I haven't registered yet, and if I do register, that means I'm going to have to spend about a thousand U.S. dollars to see two and a half days worth of stuff, and it's not necessarily stuff I want to see. Okay, but I don't understand why you're in Taipei. So how did you go from Vancouver to Taipei if you have no intention of getting to Singapore? Oh, I am getting to Singapore. This is my connecting flight. Uh, but you're going to Singapore not for the conference. Are, is this this buddy of yours who's got the troubles at home and you got to help him out? So there, there's the problem. You're like the Southeast Asian Dr. Phil. Um... I may forego the, the conference to deal with my buddy's issues. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll save $1,000 U.S. In the, in the process. <laughs> What's that line? A friend will help you move. A good friend will help you move a body. You're like, a good friend will fly halfway around the world so your friend can cry on your shoulder type of thing. Well, uh, the boy is, is recently married. He has a, uh, oh God, it's, it's a really strange situation. 
But he's turning to you? Well, yeah. <laughs> I just tell you exactly what the problem is. How long have you been married? Uh, he's been married no, for... No, no. How long have you been married? Well, me, 28 years. And what do you know about marriage? Uh, I know enough to keep my mouth shut and when to say, yes, dear, you're right. Same as you. <laughs> and that requires you to fly halfway around the world to explain that to All right. So, okay. So there, it's become rather complicated. Yeah. Something tells me we don't actually want to share with anybody any of this. I will give you the Reader's Digest version. Uh, this guy turned 40. He is an Ismaili Muslim and uh, it's a very tightly knit community. At age 40, and he's running the family business, his mom says, okay, it's time to stop being a bachelor. I found you four women. Choose one, marry her. Oh, so this isn't an episode of Dr. Phil. This is an episode of The Bachelor. It is. I thought that... Did he give the rose to the wrong girl? Oh, well, here's where... Okay, wait a second. Are either of them going to hear any of this? Uh, I hope not. Uh, so, so here's what happened, is that he found a very lovely woman, and I, w I flew to Dubai a couple of summers ago, where I acted as his wingman as he met her in person for the first time. They seemed to really get 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 to get on well together. And uh, last well, two Februarys ago, uh, they were married. I was there was the master of ceremonies. Uh, a year and a week later, uh, they had a baby daughter. And now they're going through the uh, the adjustment of, of having um, an extended family living under one roof. Like, so there's three generations living under one roof. And she is from Pakistan. So she had to move from Pakistan to Singapore, which is a bit of a culture shock. And uh, I, so I was going to say, I, I, don't, I don't mean to, to draw, cast any aspersions on your ability to assist your friend here, but purely from a cultural perspective, where does white boy get off open in his mouth at all? The, the, the actual term is Angma. Uh, if, you've seen, if, you've, if you've seen uh, Crazy Rich Asians, uh, I am an Ang Ma, so would you be. Um, and and I, it gets even more complicated in that uh, my wife and I have been named godparents of this little girl. And that's kind of weird because we're outside the religion outside the hemisphere, outside the culture, yet we are now responsible for uh, a birthday gift every year until she's 18. Something like that. And maybe contributing to the college fund and all the rest of it. So wow. I'm, I'm, I'm on my way to try and sort out a few things. Okay, so, so while you are on your way to this big adventure, this is the day that Apple Media 2018 from the Steve Jobs Thunderdome takes place. Is is this the first time that they're doing something from the spaceship? No, no. Well, this is no. I'm not talking about the spaceship. I'm talking about that glassed-in area that they've got specifically for these types of events, where you actually go down and underground. So this is at Apple Park, but it's not Apple Park itself. It's it's not the the spaceship itself. It's so, it, wait, 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 wait. There's a separate facility for this inside the thing that looks like a big docking ring. On the campus, there is a separate place for the great unwashed media to assemble oh. to uh, type out everything that Tim Cook says. Okay. Right. And so you are in this departure lounge on your way to Singapore. By the time this podcast episode airs, it will be the day of the big event. Are you or are you not going to be able to join us as we live stream and react to the big show? 
I should be able to. I really want to because I'm. Um, this is the big one. The September episode is is the one that everybody wants to watch. So it'll be one o'clock in the morning for me. Right, but you are, are you even acclimated to the the current time there? Like it's four in the morning, as far as you're concerned, or as far as they're concerned. I am not going to uh, change my. Um, Body clock. Body clock as much as I can possibly can. I have I have plenty of pharmaceuticals that will help me stay away from that. <laughs> okay. All right. So you will join us. And just in case you can't, Stuart Reynolds, Brittle Star, is going to come to the house oh. and hang out with me so the three of us can, can do this together. Yeah. So so it's, it's basically Mystery Science Theater 3000 with us just taking pot shots at everything, right? Precisely. Okay. And here, here's, here's the rub. I don't think Brittle Star, when he said, oh, yeah, sure, I'll uh, be involved in that. I don't think he realized how long these things tend to go on for. It's going to be at least two hours. It's probably going to be a two hour adventure. So uh, he has no idea what he's in for. Well, that's okay. He will be able to talk about it on his morning show. So what we want you to do is go to the Geeks and Beats Facebook page. There's the events. So if you're catching this podcast the morning of its release by about one o'clock, that's when we're going to be doing our thing. Even if you can't join us, go to the Facebook page and click going or sign up that you're interested. And when we do do live stuff, Facebook is more likely to tell you all about it. We got an update on Dolores O'Riordan's death. Now, she died in that London hotel room on January the 15th. And after we got over the shock, there was the autopsy. But then there was this toxicology report. And we were told back then that the toxicology report would probably be uh, available to the public in April. Well, April came and went. Nothing. Uh, May, June, July... August, still nothing. And then suddenly out of nowhere, there was a, an inquest where uh, on what would have been, I think, her 47th birthday. The day of her 47th birthday. Basically. Now, we had heard all kinds of rumors um, about what may have, have killed her. The big concern, of course, is that it was an opioid overdose, as we had seen with Tom Petty and before him, Prince. Right, because she had a, a bad back. She was dealing with all kinds of pain issues um, there. She also has a, a bipolar or had bipolar disorder. So there's a lot of drugs that go into into that. Um, but what apparently was that she she basically got so hammered that she got into a bathtub almost fully clothed. She was wearing a vest and pajama bottoms, got into a bathtub sometime after three in the morning of January the 15th, passed out, slipped below the surface of the water and drowned. People don't seem to realize the dangers of drinking and bathing at the same time. I think the assumption is, is that if you were to, in fact, to fall asleep and slip under the water, that you would wake yourself back up. Your body would autonomously uh, thrash about and that would help you. I can't imagine that would help you if you were bombed out of your gourd. Well, OK, she had a bottle. Of sh there was an empty bottle of champagne. There were five mini, ball, uh, mini bottles from, from the mini bar. So that's a lot of alcohol. And she's not a big girl. She, she's a little slight woman. Uh, she 
ordered room service at around two. So that would be the last person to see her physically alive. She called her mum at three and she was found by housekeeping in the bath at about nine that morning. Um, there were some drugs in her system, but the inquest says that they were of therapeutic levels. So we can't say that they were, you know, they contributed to her death. And uh, so that would have been uh, lorazepam, which is a, uh, an antidepressant. And just all the champagne and all the booze. And uh, again, you know, she got into the tub. It was warm. It was comfortable. She fell asleep, passed out, and slipped underneath the water, and that was it. The problem with drinking and being in a tub, whether it be a bathtub or, or a hot tub, actually, that's even a much bigger and more frequent concern, is dehydration. Because if you're in a hot tub, um, you sweat and that dehydrates your body. But alcohol does that as well. And if you have it at the same time, that can lead to lightheadedness, dizziness, nausea, uh, heart palpitations, weakness, and you can, as a result fall asleep and slip under the water and you might think that your body would wake you up but it actually does not and this has been a huge problem for of all things the hot tub industry yeah i mean anybody who's got a hot tub and sat there drinking a beer or a glass of wine knows that you can get really relaxed really quickly well what happens is is the heat um brings uh, the blood vessels closer to the surface and that contributes to the sort of vicious circle that gets you into the situation that dolores found herself in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the fact that she was fully dressed when she went in there gives you an idea of you know her state of mind or lack thereof, you know. So on that date, the 15th of January, it was the same day that she was expected to show up at a recording session for a band called Bad Wolves. Bad Wolves is a, a sort of heavy metal um, super group from uh, the U.S., and uh, they had a record coming out, and they wanted to do a metal version of the Cranberry Zombie. Um, they thought it would be kind of cool if they passed it uh, along to Dolores. Hey, what do you think of this? This is what we're going to be doing. She apparently really, really loved it and said, look, in fact, if you can come to England, I will meet you in the studio on January the 15th of 2018, and I will contribute something to the recording and maybe background vocals maybe i'll just uh, act as a um, as a producer as as somebody who's going to coach you along on a couple of things maybe i'll play a little bit of acoustic guitar or something like that and uh the night before and this is to be around nine o'clock on the evening of january 14th she left a voicemail for the band saying hey guys looking forward to this this is going to be great we'll see you in the studio tomorrow around 11 o'clock or whatever it is can't wait and, of course, it never happened. So the band decided they were going to release the cover anyway. The They had a more or less complete version recorded back in November. And when all this went down, they said, well, okay, we have a problem. This is a really good version of the song. We did it as an homage, um, as a way of you know paying tribute to Dolores and the Cranberries before she died. Now we have this recording. Now we have this tragic death. What do we do with it? Do we shelve it or do we release it? Well, if we release it, we can't be looking like we're you know, taking advantage of a very horrible situation. We can't look like we're being mercenaries. So we will release it and 
all proceeds from the song will go to Dolores O'Riordan's kids. Now, not that they need the money because Mum was in a band that sold 50 million albums, so they're set. But it, it, they could not in any way profit from this because it, it's, that would just be the wrong thing to do. So they, they released it and the song becomes a hit in almost 20 countries. If you look at the rock charts, it became a rock hit in almost 20 countries. And uh, a woman, if you look at the video, there is a woman who looks a lot like Dolores in the original zombie video. And that was a hit as well. And uh, they have presented at least one check to Dolores's kids, and that was for 250,000 US dollars. When you look at the YouTube comments to this song, uh, Chris Zupa writes, this is the definition of doing a cover and doing a song justice. Rebecca wrote that uh, holy emotion, you breathe new life into the lyrics, especially with the subtle changes. And Zach plays Fortnite replied that he's going to do the song for his concert at his school. So with this in mind, Geeks and Beats has put together the top 58 cover songs on our Spotify playlist. I've got, a, uh, in fact, I've got an ongoing history of new music uh, episode on cover songs coming up uh, this fall. In fact, sometime, um, sometime before the end of October, as a matter of fact. So cover songs are something that people really, really like. They like this idea of somebody putting their own spin on a familiar song, breathing new life into it. And I kind of look at it from the opposite point of view. If you, if a cover song can work in various styles, then it is a brilliant song. If it, you know, if you can do a, a really complicated song on an acoustic guitar around a campfire, well, then you know that this song is is a, is an awesome composition. Over at geeksandbeats.com, Vanessa Azoli writes that the term cover goes back to when it was originally described as a rival version of a tune recorded to compete with a recently released original version. And the Chicago Tribune described it in 1952 as, quote, trade jargon, meaning to record a tune that looks like a potential hit on someone else's label. So the uh, term has evolved in the, over, what, the last 80 years. Right. So let's we can actually go back even further to when we had Tin Pan Alley and 
we'd have these guys who were churning out songs in these song factories, sheet music, and then they would try and get as many people as they possibly could to perform that song in hopes that one or two of them would have, would make the song popular amongst the masses. And yeah, there was a lot of that sort of stuff in the 40s and 50s, and even all the way into the 1960s and 1970s, where you would have one band uh, in the United States record a song, and you would have a rival band or another band try in, in the UK try to do exactly the same thing. And you would sometimes, and we don't see this much anymore, but uh, up until, oh God, I guess it'd be the middle 70s, you would have songs, uh, the same song, done subtly different ways by two different acts battling it out for church supremacy. Vanessa reports that in the United States, the Copyright Act of 1909 means that musicians have the right to record a version of someone else's previously recorded and released song. A license can be negotiated between the two sides that pays the original artist a royalty, but it is safe under copyright law, even if they don't have permission from the original author. No, that began in the 1940s. It's this whole idea with uh, BMI and ASCAP and uh, all the other performing rights organizations this idea of a blanket license. So as long as you credit the original composers, not necessarily the band, but you can credit the original composers, anyone anywhere can cover a song without having to ask permission. People ask that question all the time. Hey, what gives them the right to record that song? Um, the blanket licensing laws of 1942? The most covered song of all time is Yesterday by the Beatles. About 2,500 copies, right? Meantime, I didn't know this until Aretha Franklin died, that Otis Redding was the original musician behind Respect. Oh, okay. So there's a story here. He recorded, he wrote the song for a guy named Slim Speedo. <laughs> and Really? Yes. And he tried to get Slim Speedo into the studio and tried to record the song. And the song was written originally from the perspective of a man. It's like, hey, woman, I've been working hard all day. I'm coming home. I'm kicking off my work boots. You're going to give me some respect. It never really worked for Slim Speedo. So Otis Redding decided that he was going to record it himself. And, and that's how the song uh, was originally released. What you want, what have you got it, and what you need. And then Aretha Franklin was given the song when she recorded, uh, when she was signed to Atlantic Records, and she flipped it around, wrote it from a female point of view, and changed the tempo, and it became one of the most iconic songs of the 20th century. Did you get a chance to look at the Spotify playlist? Uh, no, because I, I felt I, I took some really good drugs on the uh, plane, and I slept from about Vancouver Island to the northern island of Japan. Uh, and even though I did have Wi-Fi, I didn't even look at it. So, so tell me about it. Well, uh, instead of going all through 58, we'll do the top 10. We'll work our way backwards. Uh, the Beatles, rock and roll music. Gary Jules and Michael Andrews, Mad World featuring Michael Andrews. Yeah, that, that made my ongoing history show that's coming up, yes. Led Zeppelin's Dazed and Confused. The one that Led, I, okay, wait, 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 wait. We can talk about most of Led Zeppelin's early catalog 
were thinly disguised covers. What they basically did was take these old American blues records, uh, change the lyrics, change the arrangement a little, and never gave the original guys credit for it. And they got sued up the yin-yang for that. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Number seven on the list is perhaps my all-time favorite cover song story, insofar as I think that the cover surpassed the original, and that is Soft Cell's Tainted Love. Yes. The original is Gloria Jones from 1964, and it's awesome. So that was written in 15 minutes by a guy named Ed Cobb back in 1964. Gloria Jones was one of these Northern Soul singers, and Northern Soul was this thing that became big in the in the UK um, in the 1960s and early 1970s. Gloria Jones also became the girlfriend of Mark Bolin, and she was the person driving his Mini when it plowed into a tree in a park in London and killed him. I'm sorry, who is he? Mark Bolin was from T-Rex. Ed Cobb writes the song, it is a flop for Gloria Jones in 1966, um, but it becomes this cult hit for um, this northern soul scene. And Mark Almond and Dave Ball create Soft Cell in the early 1980s, and they were fans of this weird... Uh, niche culture, this northern soul culture, and one of the songs was Gloria Jones' Tainted Love. So they recorded it 
and it became a hit not once, not twice, not three times, but four times on the English charts through the 1980s, and it is remains a classic. Now, what's, what's interesting about it is that they get a little bit of money from the mechanical sales of the song, but because they are not the composers in many countries, including the United States, every time Tainted Love Soft Style gets played on the radio, they get nothing. Huh. The money all goes to Ed Cobb. Number six on the list, Aretha Franklin, respect. Uh, Metrics, Black History Month, number five. War by Grandson. Laura Marling, number three, with Blues Run the Game. Black Pistol Fire, oh well, number two and number one on the Spotify Geeks and Beats Top 58 songs that are covers the glorious sons run away you always find always find always find something wrong you've been putting up with my shit just way too long so gifted to find what i don't like the most so i think it's time for us to have a toast let's have a toast for the douchebags Let's have a toast for the assholes Let's have a toast for the scumbags Every one of them that I know Let's have a toast for the jerk-offs That'll never take work off Baby, I got a plan Run away as fast as you can She found pictures in my email I sent this bitch a picture of my dick I don't know what it is of females But I ain't too good at that shit yeah, I could have me a good girl Still be addicted to the hood rat And I just blame everything on you At least you know that's what I'm good at Yeah, always find, always find, always find something wrong You were putting up with my shit just way too long So I get to find what I don't like the most So I think it's time us to have a toast Let's have a toast for the douchebags Let's have a toast for the assholes Let's have a toast for the scumbags Every one of them that I know Let's have a toast for the jerk-offs That'll never take work off Baby, I got a plan Run away as fast as you can Run away from me, baby That is a really eclectic list and there are 48 more. Well, no, I, I'm telling you, this is something that people should really investigate because uh, I'm going to be honest, I didn't know a couple of those were, were covers. Time now for a Geeks and Beats News Update. London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update. Geeks and Beats listener Indiana Stokely has won the Steel Series Arctis Pro Wireless Gaming Headsets, uh, as he did on our big live on Facebook Live from Michael's Back Deck Show show. Mm-hmm. So I fired off uh, a note saying, do us a favor, send us in a review once you've had a chance to check it out. And he did. Hi, my name is Indiana, and I love to play video games. So thanks to Geeks and Beats for sending me the amazing Steel Series Arctis Pro headphones. I love them so much that I wanted to send the show a little review about the headphones. So the first time I used them, I couldn't really hear my friend. And then I noticed that they have this feature where you can either turn the game up or you can turn your friends up. So let's say you're playing the game and you can't really hear your friends. Like, hey, maybe I should turn the Mac up. So you turn the back up, and then you realize, oh, wait, they're just yelling at me because I suck at this game. So you want to turn them back down so you don't have to listen to that. 
the sound is really crisp no matter what you're listening to. Your friends yelling at you or the game. Uh, so no matter what you're doing, it's really crisp to find. It's amazing. Uh, the headphones are adjustable, so let's say you put them on the first time and they don't really fit. You can like move them around so it fits your head super well and it's so comfortable, especially with the nice like foam padding, which makes them also super light so they're not like weighing you down or anything. So just another big thanks to Geeks and Beats for sending the amazing headphones. My favorite part is that the review is exactly 60 seconds, and his dad, who is not only a big fan of the show, but I've worked with him, who so he knows media, clearly told his son, listen, not 58 seconds, not 62, <laughs> 60. I bet you if you actually looked at it, it's 59.8. <laughs> and probably EQ'd because <laughs> no one thinks about audio till they can't hear it. That's right. Over at our Patreon account, we want to say thank you to Thomas Foster, Rob Rimmer, Don Woodall, Darren... Brennan Tan, Ian Long, Rick C. in Oakville, and Grant Ridge, among others. I found a new way to go through our paid uh, patrons list to pull up some interesting statistics. All right, hit me. For example, Wesley Sadgrove, who we talked about in the past, has pledged one cent per episode. So he's not even a member of the World's Worst Intern Program because he's not paying a buck. However, he did give us a lifetime limit of $1,400. So we'll get 1400 bucks out of the guy if we put out 1400 episodes. Uh, no. No, oh, you're right. What am I thinking? No, we'll get $14. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Sorry, this martini is really kicking in. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, so weird stuff like that is coming through. We apologize if you've recently been a fan of the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, because this Patreon thing really sucks for keeping us on top of who's contributed and what they're doing. All we really get is who's new. So the most recent we learned was that Chris and Paul deleted their donation. So we're down seven bucks an episode. <laughs> okay. We're going to need every dollar because um, I am already in negotiations with the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas to get us not only the opportunity to do the show again live from the floor of the Las Vegas Convention Center, but do it video Facebook live with a dedicated internet connection so that the quality is top notch. Whoa, really? From a broadcast platform that overlooks the entire show. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> okay. So the, the back deck stuff is going to be nothing compared to what we're working on. Well, you know what? There's, there's a couple of other things, and I don't want to tell you about them yet because they're still in the discussion stage. We could be on the road quite a bit doing these things in 2019. We could very well be. So thank you so much for supporting the big show. If you go to geeksandbeats.com and click on support the show, you can be a member of the world's worst intern program. And what makes it the worst is you pay us to work on the show a dollar. You don't do any actual work. And uh, all we do is say thank you. So thank you for that. You can also be a co-producer, which means you get the album art of that week's episode emailed to you that you can print off, frame and hang in your parents' basement that includes you in it in uh, the little corner uh, as far as the record label is concerned. Uh, and, uh, of course, if you want to actually tell us what to talk about, you can be a patron in residence. 125 bucks, you get to help line up the show. So go Go to geeksandbeats.com, tell us all about it. Meantime, uh, you are mid 
transition? What, what, what term am I looking for? I guess mid-transition <laughs> is the phrase I'm, I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah, no, mid-transport? I, I, I'm, I'm in transit. Transit. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, mid-transition. It's a whole different thing. But uh, you're mid-transit. You think you'll be able to join us for the live on Facebook Live for Apple Mania 2018. All right. So that is on Wednesday. Which is the air date of the show, 1 p.m. Okay. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Okay, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 a.m. Thursday, Singapore Standard Time. Drink some Red Bull. Oh, God. I'll, uh, well, see, here's the problem. Is I, there's, there's nightlife in, in Singapore, and we, we go to a, a, a scotch bar called Quaich, and um, my buddy buys stuff by the bottle, and it just sits on the shelf. Oh, you are going to be bombed out of your gourd for this, aren't you? <laughs> it's not going to be pretty. Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter or Facebook. And get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.